0: Welcome to the Awake Church podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. All right, well, we have a lot going on today, and I want to just jump right in. Um, A few weeks ago, I started this series, a three-part series, well, it was going to be a two-part series, on the book of Revelation, the churches of Revelation, so just the first few chapters in the book of Revelation. I wasn't able to get through all of the seven churches, and so we're going to try and do that today, the last three churches that Jesus speaks specifically to. So we're going to read just word for word the words of Jesus to John that he's supposed to give to the churches of Revelation. And... I believe that these words are, they're not only encouraging, but they also bring reproof, correction, adjustments. Adjustments are awesome. There's something that I think we can look down upon in society, and that's rebukes and reproofs. But honestly, this Bible says that if, it says as a father, the father, if he loves you, if you're his son, you will get disciplined. Disciplined. And that's a demonstration of love. Discipline is a demonstration of love. Making an adjustment or rebuke from the Lord is love. It's a demonstration of love. Proverbs says that the way of life is through reproofs. So if I'm gonna stay on the right track, then I need discipline and I need reproofs. If there's a rebuke, I should welcome it. What if we had a, just a mentality all the way right there that went... Oh man, you're rebuking me? There's something here I need. There's something here I need, Lord. It's gonna keep me on the path. And that's more valuable than my pride getting offended, right? So pride of mine, hurry up and die, right? So in, as, we gonna, as we read these words of Jesus, if you um, weren't here the previous weeks when I talked about this, I encourage you to go watch that or just read these chapters, uh, up, chapter one, chapter two. But it says here at the very beginning, Jesus says to John, blessed are those who hear these words. We're about to read. You have a blessing just on hearing this today. And then it says, those who read it, there's a blessing. And then lastly, those who heed it. So there's a difference between all three of those. Hearing something, reading something, and then actually taking action, making adjustments. In case, for our case, it could be repenting, which is simply turning around, changing direction, um, getting rid of the way that I was thinking and turning toward him. There's a blessing in all of these things. So get ready to receive a blessing as we even just talk about this as we read these words from the risen Savior. And it really is from the Savior who died for us, who loves us, who's taking this time to appear personally to John on this island of Patmos as he's imprisoned Basically, Jesus appears to him and shares with him these personal words to help his body, the churches that were spread around modern-day Turkey. And these words aren't, I believe, just for these seven churches then. I believe they're for us today. Just like the Word of God, you open it up and it's like, good night, this, is, this could have been written today. It's applicable right now. It's the same with these words that Jesus is giving these churches uh, yes, it can apply to them then, it can apply to the church age for the last 2,000 years, so for different eras, but I believe it also can apply to us right now. Aspects of all, so depending where we are, the church in Ameri- America right now is in a different place than the church in um, North Korea, or the church in Iran, Right? So some of the churches that are going through extreme persecution, man, they can really identify with some of the things he's saying. Whereas we can't in that way, although things are changing some, right? So we're going to probably be going through more and more persecution along the way. All right. Revelation chapter three, we're going to start with uh, this fifth church that Jesus addresses, the church of Sardis. And really all three of these churches, uh, many believe the last three that Jesus talks to speak of the church, the body of Christ around the world at the end of the age, which would be, we're in there, we're in that. So Revelation 3, verse 1, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. So Jesus, as every church he addresses, he says something about himself first. This is who's talking here. I'm the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I'm saying this. Then he says, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Verse two, wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Verse three, so remember what you have received. What has God given to you over time? and what you've heard before, and keep it. Repent of the ways you've strayed, basically. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. So there's the reproof, there's a rebuke, there's the adjustment for them. And then verse 4, But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I want to always have an ear. Let's always have an ear to hear what is this Holy Spirit saying to us personally? What is he saying to the churches today in this moment, in this hour, this message to Sardis? It's interesting here, as we went through, we talked about previously, there's this criticism sandwich the Lord often gives the churches, an encouragement, a correction, an encouragement. It doesn't do that here with Sardis. Um, There's no real encouragement right off the bat. He's saying, hang on to the things that I've given to you previously, don't let them go, but there's really more correction here for them. And he says this, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Kind of sounds like the name Awake Church or something like that back then, right? So I, I, every time I read this, I always go, are we, are we awake? I, we are, by the way. But let's stay that way, Right? He, I don't know what the name of this church was. Maybe it was similar. But they had really a reputation for being really alive in Jesus. I think it's more than a name that they had, more than a reputation. But yet Jesus is saying, you see yourself that way, but I'm not seeing you that way. So I'm needing you to make an adjustment. And I think for me in my life, throughout several periods of my life, I've needed to be reawakened in my heart. I've needed to grab a hold of first love all over again because the world gets in there. Oftentimes if we let it and sometimes we can just get dull, we can get numb a little bit. If there's a little numbness in our spirit, man, that's that's that sleepiness. That's that numbness that uh, Jesus wants us to be so vigilant against. Not allowing that in my life. We should be as excited about Jesus today as we've ever been in history, right? And that that grows and grows and grows as we get to know him. We're more captivated by him, more in love with him and not allowing the world to numb us in any way. That's right. Not allow hardships, difficulties to numb that love. We wanna keep pursuing him. One of the reasons why I won't go through the whole story of uh, the name of Awake Church. Uh, in 2009, the Lord gave this name to me for this church, came from Ephesians 5, comes from Isaiah 52. They're so awake, awake." And one of them in Ephesians 5, "Awake, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, The Christ will shine on you." And I had a dream. I had a dream that there were a lot of people that were asleep in this two-story home, and there was this huge, dark storm coming, and I knew that I had a short amount of time to get everybody that was asleep awake and on the bottom floor on the foundation. They had to stand firm on the foundation or the storm was going to take them out. And I woke up and, I've, and and over the years, the Lord has just really impressed that on me that part of our calling as a body in part is to be fully alive, to be fully in Jesus, fully awakened in him to be as a son and a daughter and that we awake others, that we help wake up other people. So um, he says here later on, verse four, A few of you have not soiled your garments. That really speaks of uncleanness. We've talked a lot about, Jesus talked a lot about immorality, thoughts of immorality, doctrines that are based in uh, being okay with sexual activity outside of the marriage of one man and one woman. Him being against those things, those garments being soiled is really what that speaks of because as you see throughout the scriptures, um, we we are given robes of righteousness, which is clean and pure, the robe that Jesus gives us. He puts on us his righteousness. And so that's what he's speaking of there. Let's drop down to the next church, verse seven, going through this pretty quickly. Church of Philadelphia, verse seven, and to the angel of the church of Philadelphia right? he, again, he's speaking of himself here for a moment, he who is holy, we've just been singing about that, who is true, who has the key of David, Who opens and no one will shut. How about that? When Jesus opens a door, it's open. No one can shut the door that Jesus opens. I love that. And he who shuts and no one opens. When he shuts a door, no one can get that thing pried open either. Here's, he says this. Verse eight, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door. Wow. What an invitation, which no one can shut, because you have little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. So there's an encouragement in there, and there's a, a encouragement in a couple ways. You've not denied my name. You've kept my name. I've opened a door for you. Who knows exactly what that is related to them, but the ability, the authority, I think, to walk through something and into some things that... They didn't create themselves. Jesus just said, I'm gonna do this for you. Verse nine, behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and they're not, they lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet. How's that? And make them know that I have loved you. Verse 10, because you have kept my word and my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing. Now, that's an incredible thing right there. Because Jesus said previously, before he died and was rose from the dead, you read Matthew 24, you read Luke 21, talks about persecution and testing over all of the world. Here, for this church, this group of people, he says, I'm going to keep you from that hour, which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming. Quickly, hold fast what you have. Similar to the previous church. You've been given things. Things have been revealed to you about me. Hold on to those. Don't let them go. Doesn't matter what's said. Doesn't matter what's popular. Doesn't matter what the world is saying or preaching. Hang on to what I have given you so that no one will take your crown. The enemy in the world, there, the enemy's after your crown. He doesn't want you to last through the end, endure all the way through, trusting God, having never denied the name of Jesus, full of him, fully awakened and alive, and you've got a crown waiting for you. The enemy does not want that to happen. He wants to take you out. He'll try several different things. Jesus is saying, no problem. Just stay in love with me, right? Don't deny me. I'm gonna take you through this. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you always, all the way to the end. Verse 12, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Wow. There is promise. You know, this is one of the amazing things with Jesus, amazing things with scripture, that one of the amazing things about God wherever there's a rebuke or reproof, it's for our benefit. And then there are promises to step into that we didn't even realize existed. These churches did not know, I'm guessing, all these promises that Jesus kept saying, here's what you get if you overcome. If you repent, if you make an adjustment here, you've got incredible things that you can't even imagine ahead that I have for you. And he's gonna explain in one of those here. I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God. Jesus is gonna tattoo you. Right? He's writing on them the name of his God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven, and my God and my new name. The name that Jesus is going to get that's a new name that is also talked about later in Revelation, and the name of the new Jerusalem and the name of my God are going to get marked some way, somehow on these people, those who overcome, not those who don't overcome. There's a prerequisite here. We have to be able to overcome. Jesus has done all the heavy lifting for us in every way. At the same time, what he's done for us, when we grab a hold of him, we need to never let go and overcome whatever comes against us by hanging on to him, by trusting him, by loving him, by not allowing the things of the world to saturate our heart. 1 John 2 says, if you love the, the world and the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in us. So I have to make sure I'm not in love with the things in the world. I'm not in love with the world. I'm in love with you, Jesus. More in love with you, which she talks about in, uh, with the, the church of Ephesus. He who has an ear, verse 13, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He says that often throughout this. And let's keep going. The church of Laodicea, verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? Now, this has often been this church, especially connected with the end time church. And I think for good reason here. The amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. This is what Jesus says about himself. I'm the beginning of the creation of God. I'm saying this to you, verse 15. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, excuse me, hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Seems harsh. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. I don't need a thing. And you do not know there's a different reality that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Verse 19, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. There's a theme throughout the scriptures. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Change your mind. And then verse 20, here's the promise. Behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, there are doors that Jesus opens, there are doors that Jesus closes, And there are doors that we open, the door of our heart. He says, I'm standing there knocking. If you open it up to me, I will come into him and will dine with him. And he with me speaks of fellowship, relationship, closeness. He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. What an invitation. He who has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm sure we have heard, if you've been in church your whole life, you've heard some messages about being cold or hot. And he says here, I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, in studying some of this, here's what I think this means. Hot here probably speaks of the hot mineral springs, which were near Laodicea that people would go and sit in, like a hot tub of the day, except for it was full of minerals, enjoyable, wonderful. And then Colossae, which was also close by, they were, it was known for having cold water, fresh water that was piped into the city. So I think Jesus, as we see throughout the parables and throughout the other churches of Revelation, he speaks to things that they can relate to from where they live. And there's a spiritual application to the natural things that they fully understand, they're dealing with every day. And so here he's saying, you're lukewarm instead of, instead of hot, which is this place of healing, or cold, this place of refreshing, you're just neither. You're neither bringing refreshing to people or healing to people. You're just lukewarm. You're right there in the middle. And, and it says from the other verses there pretty, pretty strongly that you see yourself one way as I'm rich. I don't need anything. I have provided for myself everything that I need. I'm not in need of one thing. Everything is great. And Jesus is saying there's a, there's a higher reality here. You really need me. He's saying you really need me. You may not feel like you do, but you need me. You need what I have, which is righteousness. I'll clothe you with that. You need to be cleansed on the inside. He says, I have real riches. If you'll come to me with this for, for this need, I'll give you genuine, authentic riches. Not the pseudo natural riches of having a, a big bank account. I will give you what you don't have. But he says, come to me. And he's gonna do that. And I'm gonna change your eyesight. I'm gonna put some salve on your eyes so you can really see what's going on. And I think certainly throughout, um, I would say the 20th century, now the 21st century that we are, uh, I'll just say American Christianity, we are the richest nation that's ever been on the planet throughout all these years of history. And the church would be the wealthiest. In that sense, all across the board, what we, which is amazing blessing. I don't see that as a negative. I see that as a positive, unless we are relying on those things as our identity and saying that I don't need him. That's where the real problem is. It's not in having things, it's having things and saying that those things satisfy. That those things are, I don't need anything else. I don't need God. Jesus is saying, oh, yes, you do. Use riches. Abraham was really good at that, utilizing riches. He had 300 servants. He was a very wealthy man, but he was in desperate need of God. His relationship with the Father was so amazing. That's the state that God wants us to be in, that we are in desperate need of him at all times, and that we have this fellowship with him. We see all the way through, from the first church in Ephesus that he speaks to, to Laodicea, you see this calling, this standing at the door knocking, this Jesus saying, you've left your first love. Please come back to me. There's this imploring. There's this invitation to stay close and near personally to Jesus. You can have the best or worst theology, but that doesn't satisfy. Neither of those things do. It is relationship with Jesus. Amen. Now, tomorrow forever. If we're missing that, you could honestly have the most perfect theology and not be an error. People argue with me. I'm sure they've argued with you. I've had very religious people argue with me about things that are non-essential. When the essential thing Jesus brings out here over and over again, how is our relationship with him? Do we know him? Does he know us? Are we talking to him? Are we listening to him? Are we in love with him? Is our heart fully awake and alive in him? That is the most important thing. And you know what? That is also the foundation. That's the solid foundation. It's him. And we never want to leave the simplicity and purity of devotion to the person of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 11. Never leave the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. Let's not get sidetracked with our heart going in other places that waters down things. We've got to stay solid in Him. And there's wonderful blessings that are a part of overcoming, of repenting, of turning to Him. You know what? It doesn't matter how old you and I get or how, no, how long we've known the Lord. David was asking today, how long have you known the Lord Some over 25 years. For me, it's 45. I'm not 50 yet, years in the Lord. But it doesn't matter how old I get. Repentance is always going to be a beautiful thing. When I'm 90, when I'm 90, if the Lord says, Matt, here's a little rebuke. You, You need to make an adjustment here. That is going to be a beautiful thing because there's reward in that. And it's like, oh, yes, thank you, God. Thank you for that. Adjustment. I needed that. It's always in love. And it's always wonderful to invite us back closer to him, nearer to him, embracing those things. So for these seven churches, let me just wrap this up. Some of the things that he said to us, to all the churches, first off, he loves us. You are loved. You personally and us as a church, as a fellowship, as a part of the large body of Christ, we are Loved. He desires for us to not just do right things, but to be in love with him. There's encouragement for doing the right things all along the way, there's reward, but being in love with him is the highest. He wants us to be fully awake, not in name only, but with our lives. He also says in here, one of the churches that we talked about, he hates some things too. The actions, the mindset, the teaching of compromise related to sexual immorality of every kind, homosexuality, fornication, adultery, doesn't matter what one of those it is, Jesus hates that teaching because it separates us from God. It's wrong, gets us off track. doesn't say he hates the people, ever. Hates the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Hates the teaching of what we call hyper grace now. He hates it. It separates the opposite of what he paid for. He desires that we all look to him to fulfill our needs, not things to fulfill our wants. He wants all of our hearts and our minds, not just knowledge about him, but knowing him. And he wants to dine with us. How's that? Jesus wants to have a date with you. He wants to have dinner. He wants to linger with us, with his presence and his communication and his love, lavishing his love on us. He actually invites us to live in that love. That's the place we're supposed to live. That's the fuel of our lives, the love of Jesus. John 15, that's his invitation to us. He desires for everyone in all churches to be overcomers. This is especially toward the end, more and more and more you see this. This need to every single church, nearly every church, Jesus says, he who overcomes, the person that endures, the person that overcomes, the person that endures. We've got, this is a long-term thing. This is not a flash in the pan. This is a city of light on a hill, right? Established. We've got to say, I am devoted to you, Jesus, regardless of what craziness goes on in the world, regardless of what darkness happens, regardless of what comes against me, regardless of what the government may say one day, that you've got to do this or else you're canceled, right? I'm going to hang on to you. Your name, he said, those who don't deny my name. I think we are heading that direction where the world pressure is just going to try and get you to do that. Well, let's make that decision right now, right? I'm going to endure to the end. I'm going to hang on to you, Jesus, no matter what. You gave your life for me. I can follow you. I can hang on to your name my whole life. So those are the instructions, the encouragement, and the corrections to the churches. His body spread throughout the world over these couple of thousand years, and I'm so thankful for it. Let me, um, let's pray, and we're going to move on to something different here. Lord, thank you for your words, your clarity, your heart. Thank you for not only dying for us, but being raised back to life, giving us the ability to live as you lived. As John said, as he is, so are we in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you know, we know your name. Thank you for this body of believers, this fellowship that's a part of the larger body of Christ around the world. Thank you for what you're doing in us. Lord, we ask, especially Lord, keep us awake, fully alive in you not falling away ever. Lord, I pray for endurance and perseverance in our heart and in our souls that would never let go of you. Lord, I ask for a courage on the inside and a stability standing on the foundation of you in a relationship that is so rich with you for every single one in here that we would never fall away, that we would never um, back off and get numb Lord, keep us from numbness. Keep us from the anesthetic of the world. In Jesus' name, help us, Lord, all. Every single one of us, and we thank you that you're with us. Cause us to be more awake and alive next week than we even are today. In love with you more next week than we are even this moment. Thank you, Jesus, for helping us, watching over us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for marking us, being a seal upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.